0: testimony this morning. Come on. Thank you, Brad. Yeah, how, hey, how many of you believe that greater things are yet to come? Amen? Yeah. Hey, you can be seated. Welcome to, to uh, Rev City Church. I want to welcome all of those of you who are in person. Welcome all of those who are tuning in worshiping with us online. Glad that you are connecting with us as well. Hey, wherever you're joining us, if you have your Bible with you, turn or click to John chapter 21. And just be patient. We'll get there here in a moment. That's the passage that we're really going to dive into this morning. Lots of God's word before that and after that. And how many know that's a good thing to do when you go to church? Dig into God's word. What does he have to say about the matter? And we're continuing our series, The Greatest of These. And listen, in, in this last few weeks, we heard a lot about who is the GOAT, the greatest of all time, the greatest athlete, the greatest quarterback, the greatest championship caliber Athlete, And we we heard a lot about that. God's word has some things to say about the greatest things in our lives. First Corinthians 13, 13 says this, faith, hope, and love, these three remain, but the greatest, somebody say greatest, greatest, is love, say love. Listen, living this out well is important to your life as a believer. Watch how clearly and strongly God's word speaks to us about this matter of love being the greatest thing in our life. 1 Peter 4 verse 8 says, above all, somebody say above all, all. love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Come on, who's grateful for that promise in your life? John 13 verse 35 says, by this, and there's a lot of things that God's word could point to here, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Come on, how do you know that that's what we're called to be, disciples of Jesus Christ? We're not church attenders we're not just believers in God. We are Christ followers, disciples, following after his pattern, his example, seeking after his heart, his word, his will, his way. That's who God has called you to be, man of God. That's who God has called you to be, woman of God. And maybe in a, in a fresh way, a new way in this season, God would open your heart, stir your heart by his spirit to embrace this call, this invitation to live out what it looks like to be a disciple. You'll be known as a follower of Christ, a disciple of his by your love for those around you. This is important. They came and they were trying to trap Jesus, but they couldn't trap Jesus. As hard as they tried, they never could. And they said, teacher, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, the greatest commandment is this, that you would love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, and soul. Another passage that is referencing the same occurrence, it includes the word strength. All your mind, heart, soul, and strength, love the Lord your God. And the second is like it, comparable to it, equal to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love is important. If you're gonna be a follower, a disciple, A man of God, a woman of God, we've got to understand how to live out this thing called love. And listen, I I just began to just sense the Lord calling me to just remind us about this. It's foundational. It's where the rubber meets the road. But it's going to be critical in the culture that we live in because we live in a culture that's all love and no truth. We're called as a people of God to love the world around us without compromising or sacrificing the truth of God's word. Listen, we're gonna have to dig in and, 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 and be in God's word. I realized I, I turned 40 a couple years ago, and I've started to realize that some of the things I did in my 20s to stay fit and stay in shape, I'm gonna have to do something different in my 40s. Some different movements, some different methods, some different patterns, some different disciplines. Come on, where are my people over 40 who can relate to what I'm going through? Come on, let me hear from you. Please tell me it's not just me, it's, true. it's not Ray. Recently, I went, I mean, I just was aware of this. Some of the movements and the things that I'm doing, I got to find something different, kind of change it up. I went and I bought a rowing machine. How many of you ever done that? I'm rowing to nowhere, baby. I mean, I'm rowing my life away and I'm getting nowhere. And if you would like to try a rowing machine, wait a few months and look on Craigslist. I might sell you one for 50 cents on the dollar. So just be patient. But listen, here's what I've realized. In the culture around us, there's some ways that the church is going to have to get in the gym of God's word and exercise our ability to live out this thing called love without compromising the truth. Because the world says whatever feels good, whatever seems right, you just do it. And who are we to tell you? And I'm just telling you, the love of God found you just where you were. And he loves you just like you are. But I'm grateful he loved me too much to leave me in that place. He loved me too much to leave me in that place. And it's not love to reject people who are lost in sin. Listen, that's where we were and but for the grace of God. But it's also not love to turn a blind eye to sin. And Ephesians 4 says that the church has given apostles and prophets and teachers and pastors and that our job is to equip the saints to live, to grow in maturity. And, 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 and watch what it says. It says we won't be tossed around as we are grown to maturity. We won't be tossed around and blown about by every new wind of teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they even sound like maybe that's true. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. Come on, say, speak the truth in love. Growing in every way more and more like Christ. God's kind of love. And I encourage you, a couple of weeks ago as we were laying the foundations for this little mini-series, The Greatest of These, talking about the greatest of these is love, that it's complicated for us because in our language, we really only have one word for love in the English language. We love the chiefs, and we love our wife. We love tacos, and we love Jesus. And it's complicated to really understand, but here's what we can find from the Word of God. There are multiple words for love in the Word of God. In the Greek, In the original language, if you dig in, there are four words that are used throughout the New Testament. One is storge. It's the familial type of love. It's the love that you have for your family, your aunts, your uncles, your extended family. You love them, not because of a close relationship sometimes or because of anything that they can do for you. In fact, sometimes it's on the contrary. They're crazy. They're crazy. And you still love them because of a storge kind of love that God's put in your heart for them. There's a phileo type of love. It means brotherly and sisterly type of love. The city of Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. That's the root word there, phileo. It's all throughout the New Testament. That's the kind of love that you and I have for one another just because we are knitted together in the body of Christ. I mean, I'm telling you, if, whether, the, whether you've been here for 45 years, like some of us in this room, or you're just now becoming a part of this church, I love you. I phileo you. Not because I know you, not because you've done anything, but because I just realized we're part of one body. You're my brother or my sister in Christ. There's the word eros, which is an intimate, romantic type of love that you're called to just have with one person of the opposite sex in your life. And then there's the word agape. And agape is a game changer. Agape is an unrelenting, unyielding, undeserved kind of love. It's the kind of love that chases after you in your worst moments, your darkest hour, and still loves you just the same. That's agape kind of love. And listen, that's the kind of love that is going to change the world. Not a program, not a politician, not a party, a movement of God's unwavering, unconditional, unrelenting love for mankind. Expressed by the body of Christ, the church, that's you and me. The early church did not grow because of programs. The early church did not grow because of contemporary music. Come on, isn't our worship team amazing? I mean, aren't you grateful for all the time and effort that they put in to lead us in worship? This, listen, here's what I'm saying. Those are good things. It's good things that we have programs. It's good thing. But, but listen, the, the early church did not grow because of, of lights or pageantry or smoke machines. The early church grew because the people saw a love being expressed that they had never seen before. That's what's going to change Lawrence. That's what's going to change your workplace. That's what can change your marriage. That's what can change your family. There's some good things we can do, and there's some steps and and, and strategies that we can have. But listen, the, the ultimate strategy of the gospel of Jesus Christ is agape love. God's kind of love. God, would you... Allow me to pray over us before we dig into John chapter 21 and just set the scene in our hearts, set the stage in our hearts to receive what God wants to speak to you and to me. And come on, I'm gonna pray over us corporately, but right where you are, man of God, woman of God, would you pray, would you open your heart, would you ask the Lord to speak to you today through the word of God that's being preached today through this atmosphere of God's people gathered together in his presence? Because where even two or three are gathered together, he's there. Listen, if you're joining us online, I'm just telling you, Even if you're by yourself, I'm telling you, there's two or three there because there's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit right there with you. And so let's believe that God wants to speak to us today, encourage us today, strengthen us today, remind us of some things today, or maybe reveal something in us today in a new way, a deeper way, a fresh way. Lord, that's our prayer. I lift up every man, every woman, every family, every marriage, every young person that is in this room tuning in online, whether it's Sunday morning or later in the week, and we invite you here in this moment to have your way, to speak to us, Lord, to reveal your heart, to reveal your love, Lord, because we can't give away what we haven't received. And I thank you, Lord, that you, you loved us first, Lord. You didn't wait for us to love you. You loved us first. That's how we know what love is, that you sent Jesus to come and rescue us. We're so thankful you loved us even where we were, lost in our sin, but you loved us too much to leave us in that place. Your love has rescued us and it's leading us. Forward. Speak to our hearts today in marriages and friendships in relationships, in homes, in, fr- in families, what, Lord, in all those different places and all the different contexts in which love is intended to be expressed and received and fulfilled and honoring you, Lord. We, we invite you, speak to us today. Encourage us, strengthen us, bring hope, bring faith, bring courage in Jesus' name. Bring healing and comfort for those who need those things, Father, today. In the mighty name of Jesus and all of God's precious people said, come on with passion in your heart, say amen. amen. All right, John chapter 21, verse one. If you're there, say I'm there. Listen, can I also just encourage you with something? Recently, we were in prayer on Tuesday, and the Lord just, we pray often for revival. We're called Rub City Church because we're believing to revive many, many people, precious people, to life in Christ. Dead things coming to life in Christ. We believe our city, our nation needs a revival, a returning, a restoration, an awakening of Christ. And so we were praying on Tuesday at noon. I want to invite you to come and join us if you can make time every now and then, mark it on your calendar, maybe maybe fast a lunch once a month or something, and just come and give an hour to pray with us. And we were praying into revival, and the Lord just had me begin to just pray about the attributes of revival. What would it look like? What would it sound like? And there's a couple of things. There's a, lo- a long list of things, actually, that he spoke to me. And one of the things is just an anticipation and an expectation for God to speak when we're gathered together as God's people visiting his Word. And I want to encourage you, would you grab a hold of that today? Maybe today you'd even want to pull out your phone and find the notes app or or find a scratch piece of paper, a pen or whatever in the seat back in front of you right there and just begin to write down some things that God speaks to you. I promise you, he'll speak something totally unique and specific to your situation that I don't even say today. And would you grab a hold of that word of God? Appreciate it. Don't let it slip through your fingers. Hang on to it today. Grab a hold of it today. Take it with you today. Take it with you and go begin to live it out, apply it to your life. Let's begin to honor and appreciate that we're not just having church, we're visiting the very word of God. It's living, it's active. He desires to speak to every situation, every challenge, every fear, every hope, every dream in your life. He wants to speak into it today. And when he does, would we treasure it enough to write it down, to write it down and take it with us and to, 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 to meditate on it, and say, Lord, what just spoke there? What's my part to go and live it out? And so literally, practically, I want to encourage you, if you don't have anything this week, come on, I bet all of you have a phone in your pocket and there's some way to text a note or take a note or whatever, would you write down what God speaks to you? Would you begin to expect and anticipate he wants to speak to you, he wants to encourage you? John chapter 21, and we're gonna read quite a bit of this, but there's a place I'm taking this, and it's a deep and profound revelation. There's a part of this passage that most of us are probably familiar with, but many of us maybe have never seen in this way. And so, so let's dig in. Let's read together. Verse 1. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples by the, beside the Sea of Galilee, and this is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon, Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Canaan, Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. How many of you ever felt like the two other disciples that didn't get named in the story? Come on. Isn't that interesting? And two other guys. Come on. Don't, can't we, couldn't we have put their name in the Bible for them, you know? And Simon Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. I don't know if it was ice fishing like we're doing right now in, in northeast Kansas, but he said, I'm going fishing. And they said, we'll come too, they all said. So they all went out in the boat. There we get our answer. It wasn't ice fishing. It wasn't iced over. But they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples could not see who he was. Another translation says, early in the morning. Think about that moment where the sun is just barely shedding light upon the earth around you. And they they see a figure, but they don't know who it is. And he called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? And they said, no, we have been skunked. And then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some fish. They did, and they could not haul in the net because there were so many fish. in it. Listen, I'm telling you, there's a word from God maybe for you today to just try something a little bit differently to get a different result. And then the disciple that Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped down for work, and he jumped into the water, headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about a hundred yards from the shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. Would you just allow yourself to picture this in your mind's eye? Jesus waiting for them on the beach, making breakfast. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire. For those grilling aficionados, Jesus was not a propane guy. He was a, he was a charcoal guy. He was smoking his meats there. And it says, and some bread. Oh, yeah, they had some bread. Come on, carbs are of the Lord too, amen. <laughs> Bring some of the fish you just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard, dragged the net to shore. There were 153 large fish and yet the net hadn't torn. You know, this is interesting. I mean, this isn't really where we're going, but I think the Word of God is just so amazing, especially when you begin to say, Lord, Holy Spirit, show me something beyond next level what you're trying to say here. And the fact that it says the the net had not yet torn indicates to me that the catch that they had just caught normally under normal circumstances operating in their own strength the net would have torn he's training them to begin to expect the miraculous and the supernatural as they begin to go and further the gospel and build the kingdom in his name and it says now come and have some breakfast and none of the disciples dared to ask him who are you because they knew it was the lord And then Jesus served them the bread and the fish, and this was the third time that Jesus had appeared to the disciples since he had been raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Catch that. More than these. And yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, Son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And it says Peter was hurt that Jesus had asked the question a third time. Maybe it was because he remembered that just a few days earlier he had denied Jesus three times. I said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Listen, catch this. This is where it really gets good. Because most of us are familiar with that passage. But listen, there's, this is next level. Remember, there's one word for love in the English language. How many of you can see where I'm going with this? There's four words in the Greek. And if you go back and if you read this very passage, this very chapter in the Greek, Jesus is saying, go look it up for yourself. The first two times Jesus says, Peter do you agape me? Peter says, yes Lord, I phileo you. And The second time, Peter do you agape me? Yes Lord, I phileo you. Listen, I think that Jesus was making a point It was captured in the original language of the Bible. When Jesus was speaking, he was using a different tone, a different language. He was trying to draw Peter out from a place of casual acquaintance, casual friendship that would allow him to deny him three different times to a place of undying, unyielded, unbroken, determined, persevering kind of love that would go from denying him three times to being martyred for his faith. Peter, do you agape me? Yes, Lord, I phileo you. Listen, Jesus is not looking for fans. He's looking for followers. There's a lot of people in our culture that are fans of Jesus. They like that he was a good man, did some good things, did some social things, whatever. But when that answer, when that question comes, do you really love me? Yes, Lord, I phileo you. He's calling us to agape him. It's the kind of love that he loved us with. It's the kind of love he's calling us to have for him. Listen, here again, Jesus equates loving God with loving people. What is the greatest command? Love God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor. And here he says, Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Then take care of my people. Feed my lambs, tend my lambs, serve the people around you. Listen, we gotta start to see this differently. Jesus came in John 10, 10 to give us abundant life. Anything and everything that he asks us to do is all intended to connect us to and deliver us to more of his abundant life. And he's calling you to be a servant. And it's the reason that a couple times a year we have what we're doing today, Serve Team Sunday, right here in this church where we make it just a little bit easier for the people of God to connect to the purposes of God in the house of God. And to understand that we're doing more than just having church here, we're, we're raising up disciples, Christ followers, people who are called to serve out the purposes of God for your life, and the purposes of God in your life are always connected to serving the people of God in your life. Jesus came to give abundant life, and look what he said in Matthew 23, verse 11, he said, the greatest among you must be a servant. Somebody say, Greatest. Listen, God does not despise greatness. Contrary to popular religious belief that says you have to be poor, broken, busted, disgusted to really be serving God well. He doesn't despise greatness. He despises a few things. He despises pride. He despises selfishness. But he does not despise greatness. He's saying right here, there's greatness in your life. And the way to achieve it and fulfill it and discover it and enjoy it and release it is by embracing the call to be a servant. The greatest shall serve. He doesn't despise greatness. He despises pride. He despises selfishness. He empowers servanthood. Philippians 2 verse 5 says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a what? A servant. He had that, he was fully God, and yet he came and he served. In a world that is pursuing power, possessions, prestige, promotion, and position. The blessing of God is found in pursuing your purpose. And the purpose God gives you is always tied to serving the people God gives you. So I want to talk to you this morning as I'm giving an unashamed, unabashed invitation to you to come and serve in the church. And I'm going to encourage you that whatever it is that you're putting your hands to in your marriage, in your family, in your workplace, in your career, that the posture that God can bless and promote and advance is a heart of a servant. And listen, here's a few things I want to encourage you with some things that, that, that will shift in our life when we begin embracing the call that Jesus gave us, the command that Jesus gave us to serve. And number one is I want to just contrast. This is the way that we typically see things in our fallen nature. Or this is the way that we typically see things sometimes according to the spirit of religion. And I want to contrast it with what I believe God really fully desires for us to see it. He wants, he wants you to shift today from volunteer to servant. And listen, the church would do better if we would stop recruiting volunteers and begin to develop servants. We'd have all the people that we need to hold the door and make the coffee and rock the babies and pray for the people and all the things that God has called us to do. If we would stop trying to recruit volunteers and start discipling people to be servants. And we haven't done anyone any favors by watering down the call to serve and give away our lives as believers. We have not helped Marriages by watering down or being concerned about what people will think when we challenge them to live a life of servanthood. I mean, just let that resonate in your heart. What if we could go back and what if we could disciple people just to give their life away? You don't, your life is not your own, you belong to Christ. And we can start taking young couples, young couples, and begin to t- teach them listen, this is not gonna be easy, but if you'll maintain the posture of Jesus, if you'll love her like Christ loved the church, have the same attitude in your relationship with others that he had, who considered godliness, this place that he had of godly authority and having nothing. He came and he laid it all down. He didn't use it for his advantage, he came to serve. That's how you gotta love that girl. That's how you got to love that man. That's how you got to love those kids. That's got how you got to approach that, that opportunity, that workplace, that, that, that family that God has entrusted to you. We haven't done anyone any favors by watering down the call, the command, the invitation to serve, to serve, to give your life away. It has not only weakened the church, but it's kept people from obeying the greatest commandment. You got to go from volunteer to servant. Number two, you got to go from consumer to contributor Mark 10, 45 said, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Listen, I'm sorry for stepping on toes today, but I I can't allow people to stay in this place that I see developing in the modern church, especially in the West or in America, where we come, we're more concerned about what we can get out of church than what we can give. And I hear people say, well, we're leaving that church or we left this church or whatever because we just weren't getting anything out of the messages. And listen, I just promise you, if that's the truth, it's because you weren't giving anything anymore. Because you reap what you sow and God's called us to be givers before receivers. It's better to give than it is to receive. And listen, I understand you want to find a church where there's a life-giving message and there's an atmosphere and there's opportunities and there's kids ministry and all those things. I'm not saying that there aren't some things that happen in your life and that you should even hope and pray to receive, to be discipled and equipped and connected into friendship and fellowship and family and to purpose. All those things are good things. Listen, but the motivation must be where's a place that I can go and begin to serve? And just watch what God begins to do. And now we're in the age where we have Google reviews for churches. And there's, there, there, are some da- there are some dandies out there, even about our church. And I'm sorry if you're the one that left these reviews. But there are some where it talks about the message was pretty good, the music was pretty good, and, but the donuts were just decent. <laughs> and I'm thinking, really? That's how we're evaluating our decision or determination about where God has called us to connect and grow and serve and belong and be a part and build the kingdom? The donuts were a little dry. I, I prefer my blueberry donut a tad moister than the one that they've served me for free. I'm just telling you, we got to go from consumer to contributor. And I saw my pastor in Brownsville do this a few years ago, and it really impacted me. And he said, we got to train people to quit coming to church like this. Feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. And start training them to come to church like this. How can I serve you? How can I serve you? How can I serve you? Come on, we need, a, we need the Chick-fil-A philosophy for how to live out church. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. You need someone to come make coffee? It's my pleasure. I'll gladly come and do it. Listen, what else can I do? Jesus himself, he came and died, gave his life on a cross. It was not a pleasant death. It was a gruesome death. What else can I do but get up at seven o'clock a little early and come to church a little early so that someone else might have the opportunity to come to know him? Listen, I'm just sorry, but we have not done anyone any favors not calling people out into a life of giving your life away and serving Jesus and serving people. I'm just telling you, when you embrace that, just watch what happens in all the different areas of your life. It takes it takes you from task to team you start realizing you're part of something. You're part of something. You're part of something. You're not just coming and holding the door making the coffee or rocking the babies. You're, you're part of something. We need you. And listen, that's something I want to encourage you with today. You might look up and just think, well, I don't know that they really need me. They have a drummer. They have a bass player. They have, listen, they have people that are already doing it. They're already welcoming me. They're serving me on the coffee. I'm telling you, some of those people need a break. And I'm telling you that there's more that God has in store that's going to require more people to step in and say, put me in, coach. I'm ready to come and start giving my life away. And don't let the enemy lie to you or tell you that you're disqualified because of your past. I'm telling you, part of the pathway out of where you were to where God has you is beginning to just live the life he's called you to. And right from the start, he's called you to serve. And I promise you, you might know the Bible front to back. That's fine, there's a place for you to come and begin to serve and just watch how after a few years of faithfulness to just show up and do what God's qualified you to do right now, you look up and you realize, man, I have grown in the Lord. He doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called and you're called to be a servant. It takes you from task to team. Listen, just let the word of God do a little work here. First Corinthians 12, verse 4, it says, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us. Say, each of us. Now look at your neighbor and say, that includes you, buddy. I mean, I'm just telling you. Each of us, so that we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. Oh, I'm grateful for some of the men of God that he's put in my life that I'm getting to know in my life group. Get connected to those groups, man. Watch what God does. He's put some people in my life and, and, and they're, they're bringing wisdom into my life. To, to, to another, he gives, the, the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge the same spirit gives great faith to another and to someone else. The spirit gives the gift of healing and to, an, to one person, the power to perform miracles and to another, the ability to prophesy or speak and release the heart of God over your situation or your circumstance and, 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 and to another is given the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. Come on, how many could use a friend who has some discernment to tell you where to go, left or right, which way to go, what decision to make. That's what he does in the body of Christ but not if we allow just a handful of people to do all the ministry. He wants to take you from task to team. You're part of a team. We need you. Listen, would you stop by? Would you, would you, would you take that serve team card? Listen, maybe even right now, would you just take it in your hand? I mean, even if you're already serving, I wanna encourage you, just take it in your hand and if you're already serving, pray over it and pray, for, pray over someone who today is just now prepared to step into that place of serving. It's right there in front of you, a serve team card. And prayerfully consider, how can I begin to show up and serve, give my life away? And I'm just telling you, God is not trying to get something out of you. He's trying to do something in you and through you. You just watch what God does. When you go, listen, we've all been there. There's a lot of grace. But when we go from just coming to church to showing up to help build the church, edify the church, strengthen the church, encourage the church. And I'm just telling you, don't let me. It bears repeating because it's such a common lie of the enemy. Don't let the enemy convince you that you are unready, disqualified, unprepared. Just step in and, and let us help you find a place to begin to come and give your life away in the name of Jesus and watch what he does. The kingdom of God is a team sport. And what we need you on the team in whatever position God's called you to. Listen, casual football fans will think, and they have, there's, a, there's an element of truth to this, that the Chiefs lost the game because of the referees. But I'm telling you, we lost that game because there were a couple of big, mighty men known as left tackles who no one knows their name, but they were not on that field. I mean, people that really know football know that those two positions, no one knows their names, but those two guys got hurt, and it changed the entire game plan of the game. There's some positions, God's Word is so clear about this, there's some positions in God's kingdom that are behind the scenes that are equally or even more significantly important. What I can't do what God's graced and called me to do, preaching the word of God and equipping the the saints for the work of ministry if there aren't people willing to show up and help in the parking lot and hold the doors and make the coffee and hold the kids and minister to the kids. We need you on the team. It takes you from task to team. It takes you from hands to heart. Something powerful begins to happen when, when serving becomes something more than what we do. It becomes who we are. It's who he's called you to be in every relationship, every opportunity, a servant. Lastly, it takes you from position to disposition. The world sees serving as relegated to certain positions. Think about it. You even hear about those are service jobs or that's the service industry. And listen, and here I'm gonna kinda get out of the four walls of the church and encourage you that God's called you to be a servant in anything and everything he's called you to do service jobs, service industry. Listen, in God's a kingdom, in God's economy, in God's kingdom, every job, every career is a service industry. And listen, there, perhaps there's in a world where there's all kinds of information. I mean, come on, information is readily available at everyone's fingertips. Maybe the greatest opportunity for competitive advantage is the heart of a servant. Because more and more we live in a selfie-centered world I mean, people have their phones turned around, pointed at them more than they do anyone else. Maybe breaking out of that saying, Lord, help me, man, when I show up for that interview, when I show up for that first day of the job, when I show up next week back to my my job, my career, help me in a new or a deeper way to show up and just say, man, how can I show up and serve? And watch what it does. God's eyes are looking round all throughout the world to and fro, God's word says, for someone who he can show up and strongly support their life. He's looking for someone who will live the life of love. He's looking for someone who will live a life of service. Romans 1, Paul says this. This is powerful. It's simple but powerful. It says this, Romans chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Paul, he's introducing himself. And he says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. And I think the order in which he introduces himself is no accident. Paul. A servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. And listen, let me just encourage you, whatever it is that you're called to, there's some things that God has called you to. There's some things that God's just getting going in your life. There's some next, there's some new, there's some more. Listen, I'm telling you, whatever he's called you to, maybe you would owe it to yourself to just develop the discipline, the heart, the heart commitment, the, 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 the intentionality of thinking about yourself this way. servant of God the servant I introduce myself this way I am the servant of God called to be a pastor called to be an insurance executive called to be a football coach called to be a mom called to be a teacher called to be a custodian set apart for the gospel of Jesus Christ it's not positional You can be the custodian of the organization and have a a stinky, selfish attitude. And you could be a CEO at the top of the org chart and have the heart of a humble servant, recognizing that God's put you in that place so that you can help people, serve people, promote people, assist people, encourage people, mentor people. How do you know that you've developed a true servant's heart? There's maybe a lot of different ways, but I think this is one profound way How do you know that you've developed a servant's heart by the way you react when someone treats you like one? Aren't you glad that Jesus came and when people trampled on him and spit on him and cussed him and kicked him, put a crown of thorns upon his head, whipped him, beat him, chastised him, that he didn't get up and say, Oh, don't you know who I am? He laid his life down. He modeled what it looks like to serve. Just stand to your feet this morning and let's respond to Jesus. Lord, thank you for coming and serving us. Thank you that you, you, you did not ask us, and He never asked us to do anything that He wasn't willing to do Himself to love, to sacrifice, to forgive. And Lord, I thank you that today you're speaking to us as a people, you're speaking to us corporately and individually about the biblical mandate to serve, to give our lives away. Lord, in every area of our life, we thank you. What a privilege it is to be able to serve in the house of God. Thank you, Lord, for those many people. I just know many precious people going to kind of step out. And for some of you, this is just the right season. This is the right time for this message to land in your heart, for you to step out and say, we've been coming to church, we've been receiving. And now listen, because there's no judgment around that. This is the right time for you to step up and say, listen, what's the way that we can come, whether it's once a month or once every couple months and just begin to serve in the house of God? And we're excited about coming alongside you for that. But Lord, thank you that it goes way beyond the local church. I thank you for marriages, Lord. I thank you for the heart of servanthood restored to the men and women that you have called to serve and love one another, Lord. And the place where that got off track, God, thank you for gracing us to go back to that place and begin to rediscover that posture. And thank you for the fruitfulness, the new life, the new intimacy, the forgiveness, the reconciliation that's going to be uh, welcomed into that, in that moment, that relationship through that posture of just humbly bowing and kneeling and serving. And Lord, I thank you, Father, in workplaces Lord, I thank you, God, that you would just, that that really is, it's an opportunity. It's not the reason we do it. We just do it because it's what you've called us to do and who you've called us to be. But I thank you, Lord, that this would be a people of God who understand and embrace what it looks like to go and to serve. And it would get people's attention. It would cause people to say, there's something different about when that man walks in the meeting. He, he's here to encourage others. He's here to strengthen others. There's something different about when that woman sits at the table. There's something different about him or her. And they might not know what it is, but inevitably the same thing that that, the, that it allowed the Apostle Paul to do to have influence for the kingdom of God. When, we, when, we, when people meet us, Lord, may they meet the servant version of us. In Jesus' name. And Right there, if you're willing to receive this, come on, in whatever area of your life that God needs to do that work in your life, would you just lift your hands before the Lord one more moment, just one more moment before we go into worship? And just receive. Thank you, Lord. When you reveal things, it's because you want to heal things. There's an area where we become preoccupied, busy, or even selfish, God. Thank you, Lord, that that you, you reveal things to heal things. And thank you, Lord, in that place, Lord, where there's been preoccupation or busyness or selfishness, Lord, that today you are reminding and restoring, Lord. By your grace, by your grace, we don't have to do it in our own strength. We serve a God who came and modeled what it looks like to serve. Thank you for filling us up filling us up fresh and new with your Holy Spirit to live this out in a way that is pleasing to you. That's that's who we want to be. That's how we want to live, in a way that brings honor to you, that's pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name. And listen, before we worship, I just feel led to go ahead and give the altar call right here. I was planning to do it a little later in the service, but listen, if you're here and you're far from God, you're far from God. You're the reason that Jesus came to serve. You're the reason, not not just the person to your left or right, not just your religious family members. He came for you. He came for you. And maybe you're here and you once knew God, served God, maybe even we're in the, the church, but you've drifted, you've gotten busy, preoccupied. Listen, you're what the Bible would describe as a prodigal son or daughter. And today we believe if you're here in this room or joining us online, you're hearing this message. It's no accident. It's because God is calling out to you. You have a heavenly father who longs for you to come home, come home to a relationship with him. You know, a relationship that transcends religion and all the rules and regulations, a relationship with him that begins to empower you to live differently as you repent and turn from your old ways and commit your heart and your life to live for Jesus. Listen, if that's you, or maybe you've never given your life, dedicated your life to Jesus, right now, don't wait. Lift your hand high towards heaven. Lift your hand high towards God. Say, that's me. That's me. I'm coming home to Jesus. If you're online with us, Listen, you might even be by yourself, and it might not even be Sunday morning. It might be later in the week when you're going through this service. If that's you, we want to encourage you, you might want to pull over to the side of the road, stand to your feet, lift your hand, even if no one's seeing you. Listen, you you, you folks who are responding, you're not responding to a person or a pastor. You're responding to a father. And Lord, we thank you for those people who are coming home to you today. In Jesus' name. Listen, let's pray this prayer. We do it every week for two reasons, to just quickly come alongside those who are responding and just let them know there's a church family called Rev City that wants to come alongside them, encourage them, strengthen them, help them to become set free of their past and begin to live a life of purpose. And two, we do it because every week it's just a good thing for us to remind ourselves, even as we're growing in our faith and growing in our our servanthood towards God, we, we still need the grace of God. We never graduate from grace. So come on, pray it after me. Father, in Jesus' name, I recognize my need for a Savior. I thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price that I could not pay, to make a way that I might have a new life and a fresh start. And I give you that life, I give you my trust because of Jesus, because of the cross of Jesus, I'll never be the same. Come on, say it one more time, I'll never be the same. And then put your hands together with all of heaven, rejoicing for the precious people who came home to Jesus today. Hey, come on, let's worship the Lord one more time together today. Let's worship, let's worship.